um, my weekend has been already very, 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 very full. Uh, my daughter is in England right now. Um, on her, actually on her way back over. She was there all week. And we realized, uh, I realized last Sunday that she was going to be in London on the day of the royal wedding. And we were like, my wife was like, you've got to go. And I was like, you're going to be, uh, like security is going to be incredible. Uh, she did not go. And she texted us yesterday. She's like, the museums are so empty. And I'm like, yeah. Um, but anyway, she's on her way back. Um, I don't know if you guys were around Friday night. We had this amazing event called All In, and this thing happened at All In. It was so cool. Our students from E3 Student Ministries joined some of our Sunday musicians and led us in worship. And it was so, 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 so cool. Um, so it was just such a blessing to be a part of that, and it's so cool to celebrate that this weekend with, with doing child dedications as well. Yesterday, I spent, uh, did a set of music with uh, somebody from our community. Avis Berry is her name. I got to play some blues. Um, and uh, listen, you know, one of the re- things I love about playing music and just going out there and playing real music to real people is when things like this pop up in my Facebook feed. And the guy's like, I don't even know who these people are. He's like, who's that on guitar with her? He's like, I don't know his name, but he's a pastor over at E3 Church. So like, so like, you know, and I'm assuming it was not because I stunk. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I love about playing music. And one of the things that I love actually about what Mark, what Pastor Mark did is modeling how like when you become a pastor, like you don't kind of check in, you don't give up your humanity card. You know, we go out there and we exist in the world with real people and, and we just do the things that we're passionate about doing so that people can get to know us and see us. And so that was just great. Uh, and now we're here today kicking off this series called This Is How We Know. Not like this is how we know it. It's... um. Uh, we're going to be spending the summer in this book uh, of the Bible called 1 John. All summer, 10 weeks. Uh, it's a very short book of the Bible. And, and this phrase appears in the last half of the book over and over again. This is how we know. The, the writer, a guy named John, he says over and over again, like you want to know how God, why God loves you, you know how God loves you? This is how we know. This is how we know. This is how we know. And I was like, man, that's a, a really great name for this series I'm going to teach some of it. Mark and Lori are going to teach some of it. There's going to be some new voices that you might hear from over the summer. But this is where we're going to be. And this is a rich, 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 rich book of the Bible. And I'm really excited to uh, share it with, uh, share it together over the summer. So uh, that's where we're going. I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start us off today with the first four verses. You heard Maisha uh, read it. But before we do that, I actually want to, I want to pause before we get into the specific text and I want to examine some questions that might be preceding the, the text. And, and there's, the question has to do with, like, how, how can we trust the Bible? And what's the Bible's role in our lives? Why spend, you know, 10 weeks, like, looking at these words? Um, and, and a lot of us, one of the questions I get asked more than anything is that question of, like, how did the Bible get put together? How did they figure this thing out? Did it just like fall out of the sky and bam, like when, and it had a cool leather thing on it or something? Like, how do we get the Bible? And uh, it's a question that I love thinking about. And you may have heard like different theories, you know, when the Da Vinci Code 
came out, you know, it was a very entertaining book, a not so entertaining movie. But one of the things that the book really took a liberty with is it kind of like cast a lot of stones about the way the Bible was put together. And there's all these theories about like, oh, you know, it was just these guys in authority and they just said, this is what's acceptable. This is what's not acceptable. And that is not really, I believe, what happened at all. And so to unpack this, uh, I'm going to need some help from you guys. So uh, Lindsay's going to help me do this, but I'm going to need four volunteers uh, the requirement is that A, you will speak into this microphone. B, you can read. C, uh, you have to know me a little bit. Okay? So Lindsay's going to go start finding people. Don't make me volunteer you. Okay, okay. Sam. Okay. All right. So, so, so. Stand up. Lindsay is going to read. Uh, she's going to have these folks read some statements. And they're going to be about me. And then as we do them, I'm going to explain to you kind of like why this matters in terms of how the Bible was formed. So, and say your name before you start reading. Just so. Good morning. I'm Sam Walters. Eric was born in Pennsylvania. He liked NFL football growing up. He played music. He has a dog named Merlin. Sam, are those statements true or false? True. Okay. Those are all, in fact, true statements about, about me. Okay. So stay there. Stay with Lindsay. And then Lindsay. So I need another person who knows Eric and can read. Oh, Jessica Morrison. I guess I'm going over here. Sam, go, go with Lindsay, Sam. It makes yeah, it, come it with makes me, it. Sam. Sorry. Right. Everybody came up to the front last time, so I didn't have to move. But now I'm like running around. Here you go. Say your name. Hi, I'm Jessica Morrison. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> I like this one. Eric was born in western Pennsylvania. He loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. He plays guitar. And he rocks very much. Thank you, Jessica. That's very kind of you to say that. Jessica, are those true statements? Yes. Okay. So, so, so what you've got here is you've got two statements about me. One with more detail. Okay. First one was like, hey, yeah. born in Pennsylvania. Actually, there's more to it than that. I was born in Western Pennsylvania. And I loved NFL football, but I really loved my Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. All right, I need another person. Next person. Who knows Eric and can read long words. Dax Sternberger, I know, baby, but you... Okay, here we go. Come on, come with me, guys. <sighs> right here. All right, all right. Here's for you. Jeremy Shaw. Eric has a sister. She taught him a lot about music. Eric lived in Texas. Eric has played music on two continents and in four different countries. Jeremy, are those true statements? They appear to be so. Okay, this is important because this is where it gets really nuanced. See, like a lot of that information is new. Did, do I have a sister? Actually, I do. Those statements are true. I have an older sister. She did teach me a lot about music. Neither of that, that none of that information was in what, uh, what Sam read or what Jessica read. It was new, but it was not, uh, it was not wrong. And in fact, when, when Jeremy read, oh, he lived in Texas... He was born in Pennsylvania. At first thought, you're like, well, wait, did those two things contradict? Well, only if you don't know that I actually moved to Texas and grew up in Texas, was born in Pennsylvania. So you were developing like these different perspectives about who I am. But these folks can say, okay, yeah, that actually, I mean, Jerry, Jeremy didn't know those information about me. But he, but from what he knows about me, he's able to say, yeah, yeah, that sounds like it, it could be out. true. All right. Last All right, person. Last person. I want them to know Eric pretty well for this one. Oh, I've got. Oh, okay. Blake. 
Blake? Um, come on, guys. Come on. Okay. My team. All right, Here Blake. Here we go. This is it. Here you go. This, I mean, spoiler alert, this one's my favorite. I'm Blake DeShazer. Eric is a member of a motorcycle club. Eric loves sour cream on his tacos. Eric plays polka music at home. Eric uses whatever writing utensil is most convenient to him. Blake, are those statements uh, about me true? False. You are correct, sir. Very wrong. Hey, thanks, guys. No, no, hold on. Well, hold on, Wait. hold on. Before you're done. See, no, stay. Sorry. it's not just about what I said. What, what Blake, like any of you guys, what would you, would you say when he's read those things, what was your reaction? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we just had this conversation. So don't, don't go anywhere. Sour cream on them. This, so, so when you want to talk about how the Bible was assembled, uh, what I believe and what a lot of scholars believe is that Jesus uh, is born, lives, dies, resurrected, you know, AD 33. What starts to happen immediately is that people start to tell stories about Jesus. Hey man, who, this is who this guy was. These are the things he did. He did these miracles. He was this great teacher. And people started to say like, okay, well, let's write those things down. Let's collect those stories. And because it's so early still in the church, not only could people have like a written collection of stories, say like Jeremy's church, Jeremy represents a church. And he collects these stories about Jesus. It's still early that also there's like a grandma and a grandpa that might have actually been there. So people can show up and they can tell these stories about Jesus. And, and, and Jeremy can go, that really cool. And then he can go, grandma, grandpa, hey, did Jesus actually do those things? And they're like, man, I was there. He did it. And then Jeremy collects some statements. And then uh, Sam collects some statements. He's from a different church in a different part of the world. And then what happens if Sam brings some of his statements to Jeremy's church and goes, hey, I've got these statements about Jesus. And then Sam says, well, let me see your statements. Well, let me see your statements. They're not exactly the same, but they kind of mesh together. That must be true. Then every once in a while, somebody like Blake shows up. Oh, Blake, Blake. And he says, oh, wait, I've got these statements about Jesus. He actually did these things and he said these things. And everybody else goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What we know about Jesus, what we've assembled, this doesn't really jive with what we know. And further, let's go ask grandma. And grandma's like, I was there and it didn't happen. So you guys, thank you so much. So first of all, when you start to ask like, how was the Bible assembled? It wasn't just, yes, these guys had authority. Yes, they picked what books kind of like mesh together. But there was an organic community of people that were already saying, that was right. That sounds good. That's consistent. So we can know with a lot of certainty that this book was actually recognized and hung together quite well very, very early. Now, before we get into the text, there's one other thing that's really, really important for what we need to know about. Um, what we're studying is, uh, we call it the book of First John. But it's like, if, if you're new to the Bible, a, a book in the Bible can be very, very short. It's only like two pages. Uh, it's really a letter. It's really a letter. It's written by a guy named John to a church. A specific church with specific human beings. It was written about 70 to 90 AD. 
uh, and it was written to a church in Ephesus, which is in modern day uh, Turkey. I think we have a map, just real quick. That's where Ephesus is. Uh, lots of ruins. You can still see what Ephesus used to look like or the ruins of what Ephesus looks like now. Let me explain to you what's interesting about letters. Uh, and I want to do it by... Uh, so my wife is out of town right now. She's in Chicago for five days. And uh, that means a few things. It means dad's cooking. It also means dad's doing the grocery shopping. This is my grocery list. Okay, I'm going to go after, uh, I'm going to go after church today and uh, pick up some stuff. Now, here's the funny thing about grocery lists. Grocery lists ask, actually tell you stories. Do you ever think about that? Like if someone found your grocery list. All right, so here's my grocery list. Uh, ceiling fan bulbs. What's the story? A, I got ceiling fans. And the bulbs are burnt out. Okay. There's something going on that just by looking at this list, you can know something about my life. Uh, apples and bananas. Hey, I eat reasonably healthy. Next, chips. Not that healthy. And in fact, I really don't know why I wrote this, but chips has a plus sign after it. And then uh, lunch meat and, and potatoes, right? But this grocery list, they actually tell you something. They tell you something. If you just think about it, you would say, you could say something about my life. Now, I've got a lot of funny books at home. Um, and one of the most enjoyable ones is a book that somebody gave me a few years ago. It's called Milk, Eggs, and Vodka. And uh, it is simply a book, a collection of grocery lists that were found by this guy and he just kind of highlights the stories that you could tell about somebody. So I just picked out a few of them. Uh, first one is, is this one. The one in white. Styrofoam cups, CLR, which is a cleaning solution, um, garbage bags, smelly stuff, and then diet coffee and diet Pepsi. Yes, there's no diet. So... So, like, you're wondering, like, what, what's going on in this person's house that they need these items? This one, next one's a little bit better because we get a little bit of a framework. What's at the top of the list? Okay, Halloween. What kind of Halloween at this place? A Swiss Army knife, a tall box of Kleenex, and baggies. Greatest Halloween ever. Next one. Squirt gun. Hot peppers, strawberries, a bee trap, and pie pants. Uh, it's a fourth. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. The, the point is this. You just see that and you can say something is going on in this house that is necessitating these words. And when we start talking about letters that were written to churches in the Bible, something is going on in these churches that is necessitating John, in this case, writing these words. And what I hope to do over the next eight to ten weeks is find out a little bit of what's going on in these communities. And there's a hint of it today. So with all of that being said, we're going to jump in to the first four verses. Um, Aisha read it um, and it starts like this. Uh, we announce to you what existed from the beginning. Now, stop. Uh, with that, John, the author, uh, is doing something really, really cool. Now, 
um, if you've been around the Bible a little bit, if you know your New Testament and your Old Testament, you might catch some echoes going on. John uh, wrote this letter to the church, but John also wrote a story about Jesus called the Gospel of... Oh, you guys are so good. Um, so let me show you how the Gospel of John, the story of Jesus, let me show how it begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's go back to 1 John. We announced to you what existed from the what? Beginning. beginning. And then the last uh, phrase about the what? The word of life. John's gospel says the word was in the beginning. First John, this is about the word of life and it existed in the beginning. Now, what John's gospel is doing is actually really, really fascinating too. Anybody know how the whole Bible starts? In the beginning. And when John writes his story about Jesus, he writes it and begins it the same way. Way Genesis 1, let's look at that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. John 1, in the beginning was the word. So when John starts his story about Jesus, he is saying, look, there's something going on in the life of Jesus that is at the level of the creation of the world. And when John writes this letter to this church, the first thing he does is he connects all those dots and he says, listen, This is a part of that same stream of faith, all right? So, we announce to you what existed from the beginning, like in Genesis, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have seen and our hands handled about the word of life. And what he does here in this last part of this phrase, I love, because he says, listen, we've heard this, we've seen this, we've seen This Jesus, the word, in this case, he's talking about Jesus. And then he says, we've handled it. We've touched it. And the thing that that speaks to me is that the Christian life is not just about the things we know about God. It is the way God impacts our life. It is where we get our hands dirty, where we handle God, where we put our hands on the things we know about God. See, a lot of us uh, can get caught up in the things we know about God instead of asking for an experience of God. I've met people, even in this room, some, uh, some folks who kind of wander in and out of this community at times, and, and believe me, their knowledge of the Bible would, would almost put me to shame. But I see very little of the love and compassion of this prodigal God who pursues us with this fierce love. You can know everything about God and miss the point. And John says, look, you've got to touch this thing. You've got to put your hands on it. You've got to see it. You've got to hear it. You've got to bring it close. And that speaks to kind of what um, my life, because I can be known as a person for a long time. I just read books about God. And I filled my head with knowledge. And eventually I said, you know, I got to move beyond this. Another book from Lifeway ain't going to help. I got to get dirty with this stuff. And so I did. He goes on, uh, verse 2. The life was revealed. This is Jesus' life. The life was revealed. And we have seen and we testify and we announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was, re- was revealed to us. Now, uh, a word here. About, uh, about what John is talking about. When he, when he says that phrase, the word of life, the Greek word for word is the word logos. Let me hear you say logos. logos. 
Logos is really cool and really fascinating because it is actually a term that, um, that the Roman Empire uses, that Greek philosophy used. And it was the, the, they used the word logos to, to talk about the thing that holds the whole universe together. The thing that makes the whole thing make sense. And they called it the logos. And uh, last fall, I was reading the letters of, of Marcus Aurelius, as you do. And, um, and uh, you know, Marcus Aurelius is a, an emperor of Rome in the first couple centuries. And he writes about the logos and what it means to a Roman. And he's like, the logos is a thing. It's been there from eternity. And it just makes the whole universe hold, to, hold together. John comes along and he's like, you know what that logos thing sounds like? It sounds like God. It sounds like the God I know and the Jesus I knew. And so John just takes logos and goes, beep, right into the faith that he's pursuing. That's the word of life. And John says, we have to announce this thing. We have to testify to it. So verse 3, he goes on. What we have seen and heard, because he was a follower of Jesus, we also announce this to you. And this is kind of the first item on the grocery list. Because he says, these two words, and if you ever study the Bible, you come across these two words, pay attention to them. So that. Because that just tells you John's drawn a conclusion. Here's why. And John says, we're testifying, we're telling you about this, so that what? You can have what? Fellowship. And if you're looking at a grocery list and it says, hey, you better go get some fellowship. What does that tell you is missing? Fellowship. I didn't put apples and bananas on my list because I had a bushel of apples in my house. I put apples on the list because there were no apples. John says, we're telling you this so that we can have fellowship with you because there's a lack of fellowship. And that's something we're going to come back to over and over again in this text. What was the lack of fellowship? What's going on in this church? They're real people and they're experiencing real challenges. He's, he, uh, he, he kind of drills down a little bit deeper. He says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's telling you it's a particular kind of fellowship. which is going to become important to us as we get into this text. And then he finishes up this way. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. So again, why do you put joy on your grocery list? Because you need some joy. And John is saying, look, what I'm about to tell you, I'm doing it so that our joy can be complete. And listen, if you don't get anything else away from this, uh, and, and you're a person of faith and, and you read your Bible, I want you to understand everything that we're going to talk about in the next eight to ten weeks was written to people of God. He's going to say some harsh words. His harsh words are, are to the church, not to the people outside the church. And he says, everything I'm about to tell you is to make your joy complete. So, um, what we're going to do is I'm just going to make a few observations, ask, uh, to ask us to think about a few things in our lives, and then the band's going to come up and, and, uh, and sing a song. So observation number one, um, following Jesus is not about hearing, uh, is about hearing, seeing, handling, and about revelation. God's got to reveal something to us. It's not just about knowing things about God that's only going to take you so far. Eventually, you've got to take a step and that step most of the time involves a little bit of risk and a little bit of faith. 
A lot of us, we could check off all the boxes of everything we know about God, but we haven't taken, experience, we haven't taken a step that would help us risk something. Now, what does that look like? It could look like a lot of things. It could look like going on a, a mission trip to Guatemala, taking a chance. It can, it can mean uh, signing up for an ownership class. We're going to have an ownership seminar. And maybe you're like, you know what? I, I kind of like this community, but I've always held back from committing. Maybe in a couple of weeks when we have an ownership seminar, you say, you know what? It's time for me to step up. And I'm going to put my name down. Hold me accountable to this. This summer, we're going to have baptisms. You know, maybe you'd be like, man, I followed Jesus for a long time. They've talked about baptism. Never taken that step. Maybe... It's just time for you to kind of go, okay, it's time for me to move beyond knowing things about God and putting myself in a position where I'm a little bit uncomfortable and I can experience him differently. Second observation. Scripture, even when it is challenging, should bring joy. We've all probably had experiences where people have used the Bible to just wallop, up, wallop, wallop somebody upside the head. I just don't believe that that's kind of what God intends most of the time. John writes that, look, I'm writing these words and there's going to be some challenging words. But he says, at the end, the result should be what? Joy. Joy. I don't read scripture to make myself feel like affirm everything I believe about the world. I read scripture so I can be a better person. And it challenges me sometimes. But the result should be more joy for me more fulfilled life. And that's what we hope for here over the summer. Next, next observation. I love this one. Jesus has the power to bring us together. Okay, spoiler alert. This church is divided that he's writing to. Our church has its share of divisions. We do pretty well with them. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't realize, uh, if you haven't been on Facebook and, and seen people in your growth group, we come from across the spectrum, do we not? Politically, socioeconomically, we, we, we run the gamut. And listen, if we wanted to, this church could be split apart in 24 hours. If we wanted to. John leads off this letter by saying, look, let me start with what is at the foundation? And he says, it's the word of life. The thing, the guy that I saw, the guy that I heard, the guy that I experienced, his name was Jesus. He's at the center of all of this thing. And that is why I think this book is going to be so amazing. Because friends, like if we want those divisions to come into the church, we can opt for that. Or we can say, look, Jesus is the thing that binds us together. And we can have our differences because diversity is beautiful. But we can sit down eye to eye and you can say, tell me about the Jesus you know. And let me tell you about the Jesus I know. And there's some level of understanding where you go, man, this, di- this man died for both of us. And we're pursuing him even in the midst of our differences. That's pretty cool. Just some observations to start us off. Now, questions as we wrap up. Question one, what divisions exist in your life? And I say in in your community, but I really want to be clear here. Who's John writing to? He's writing to the church. What divisions exist in your growth group? What divisions exist in your service team? What divisions exist in this room right now? Name them. 
Don't pretend they do not exist because I know they do. Think about these questions. Next question, what would it look like to let Jesus bridge the gaps? What would it look like to sit down with somebody you have disagreements going and say, man, just tell me about your faith story. Tell me about how Jesus has impacted your life. Carve out a lunch hour to do it. You know, I mean, I'm just going to tell a story, a little bit vulnerable right now. I don't know. Uh, after, the, uh, after the election, the last presidential election, there were two people I knew cared for deeply. And they over here. And it wrecked them. And, and there were tears and anger on both sides because of, and, 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 and there was a couple days where they're both members of this community. They're both members of a team I'm on. And I, and I, had, I was like, can, can they get back together on this? And there was a day or two where I just wasn't sure. And then in both of their hearts, in both of their hearts, they sat down and they just got back to square one. Who is Jesus to you? Let's set all this other stuff aside. Let's start with Jesus. What would it look like for Jesus to bridge the gaps and the divisions of your life? Last question. Does your knowledge about Jesus ex, uh, exceed your experience of him? Do you need to just put a moratorium in your life of another book and instead take a risk in your life? These are the types of questions I'd love for you guys to think about as we go through this. It's going to be an amazing summer. I can tell you that. Amen? Amen. 